0: You're listening to wholesaling inc episode number five hundred and four.
1: One thing that I got from your program, this is something that I wasn't doing before, was continuing to plant seeds, no matter how many contracts you have or how many deals you think you have. Literally, like even if you lock up a deal that you think you're gonna make fifty thousand on in the next two weeks, the next day, do exactly what you did to get that deal and keep doing that every day. Cause if you just focus on that deal and you rely uh, solely on that deal closing. By the time it closes, you're going to have a completely dry pipeline and you're going to have to rebuild.
2: This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling.
0: You're listening to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hardy. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. You are about to listen to an awesome episode with Riley McGarity. Riley, welcome to the show.
1: Hey Lauren, thanks for having me. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Hey Riley, where are you from?
1: Uh, I'm from San Diego, California. So a couple hours from where you are.
0: Yeah, that's right. So I'm in Orange County. You're in San Diego, a couple hours away, but a uh, very similar real estate market. So Riley, I know I have to ask, you're younger. Do you hmm. mind me asking your age?
1: Yeah, I'm 19.
0: Oh my God, I had no idea you were that young. (laughs) Okay, I knew you were young, but like I thought you could legally drink. Like I didn't
1: know you were that young. Not quite, no. Yeah.
0: Okay, wait, that's crazy. I really, I'm actually shocked. I really didn't know you were that young. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, how cool. Mm -hmm. So, Riley, you're only 19 years old. You're ridiculously young for being how responsible you are. What got you into real estate?
1: Honestly, I think it was just how most people get into it. They're online. They're trying to look for some way to make money. And that's kind of how it started out was because I realized that uh, I really didn't want to go to college and I really didn't want a normal job because I had experimented with a normal job for a couple of weeks and I hated it. (laughs) So I had to figure something out. And yeah, I tried a couple other random online business models that I just really wasn't passionate about and they didn't really turn out to be anything. So... Uh, Yeah, I came across some random video and then just went through uh, a month of YouTube University and and went from there.
0: Okay, so that's hilarious. So you were in high school, you're approaching college age, and you just decided like, I'd rather die than go to college?
1: Yeah. Up until my junior year of high school, I was planning on going to college. I had a college set out that I was going to go to. And then I visited a couple places and I kind of Saw what it was like, and I was researching more into it. And I just realized I really, that's not the route I wanted to go, especially with that after graduating high school. I just, I didn't want to do that another four years.
0: And, and what is it about college? Why do you not want to, why did you not want to go?
1: Uh, because they're not talking about anything that I'm really passionate about. I mean, I couldn't even find a degree that I was really passionate about getting. Um, and I just couldn't see how that could help me in my life. I know for a lot of people, it does. And that's definitely the right path to go. But um, uh, for me, I had to figure something out. And fortunately, that was wholesaling.
0: That's so okay. That's awesome. Well, yeah, you know, college isn't for everybody. So I think that that's really cool that at such a young age, you know that about yourself, like you, knew, mm-hmm. you have a strong sense of like who you are. That's cool. What did your parents think when you were like, I don't want to go to college?
2: They weren't really
0: houses. Uh,
1: they weren't really on board with it. Obviously, they you know supported whatever I wanted to do, but they did want me to go to college. So I had been planning on just starting to go to community college just to at least be doing something because I was wholesaling for quite a long time and I was getting nothing. I was just losing money every single month, mm-hmm. um, and then I finally got that first deal, and that kind of started the momentum. And then I just said. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not going to go at all.
0: So tell me about when you started wholesaling, you started the process, and then when you got your first deal, when was that?
1: Uh, yeah, so I started in October of uh, 2018. Okay. Um, so that's when I just started learning. I spent about a month just listening to podcasts, watching videos, um, listened to like 100 wholesaling episodes, and just went through the whole learning process. And then I just started. Taking some small action steps. I started cold calling and this was all in San Diego. So I'd been trying to get a deal in San Diego for um, a a little over a year. And I I got one contract that fell through, but nothing other than that. So that's when I kind of decided that I'm going to try virtual. I knew that it was uh, a couple of people had success with it. So I learned as much as I could. And then I just found a a market, started marketing there. And then it took about three months until I uh, got my first deal.
0: Okay, so when did you get your first deal?
1: That was in um, December of 2019.
0: Okay, so you went basically a whole year you were doing it in your backyard, San Diego, and I know what you're going through because I'm in Orange County. It's a very high-priced area. A lot of the techniques that you probably, you know, would hear about on YouTube University did not really apply in those high-priced markets. So, a lot of people don't realize that. Like, you know, when you're newer, you just think, "Oh, well, it worked for this guy in, you know, Idaho." Like, of course it would work in San Diego, California, where house prices are on average $750,000. Like, you know, you didn't know that because they don't, even the guy in Idaho doesn't realize that he's not in California. It's not until you try and you try for a year and, you know, I had that exact same experience. Like it was very frustrating. So yeah, the high price markets, the West Coast, the Californias, the New York you know Miami like I know we can commiserate with each other a bit so you yeah. finally picked a virtual market just out of like what took you there how did you figure out what market you wanted to be in
1: yeah i was just tired of southern california and i knew i had to pick something quick because i didn't want to just be sitting around doing nothing because at that point i had already given up on socal and i was just searching for another market um going through a facebook group and i saw Someone made a post, a virtual wholesaling post, and I just started messaging with them, like, what market where are you in and how did you choose that market? So they told me they were in a couple different markets. One of them was Wichita, Kansas. Okay. Um, and so I was like, I didn't know anything about Wichita. I didn't know the house prices over there, the the amount of investors over there. But he did a deal side and it was possible. So I just was talking with him back and forth and I was like, hey, if I put some marketing dollars in that area and I happen to get something under contract, then can you dispose for me? And he said, yeah, sure, just you know, start marketing. If you get something, to let me know. And so that's what I started doing. And uh, it, it still took me a couple months, but it was a lot quicker than SoCal.
0: Right, exactly. And it's interesting. So you didn't know anything about Wichita you were trying to find a virtual market. And I always give my first piece of advice when you're trying to find a virtual market is just search for the proven concept. So that was instinctually what you did. You didn't know this. You weren't a part of my program at the time, but that is my first piece of advice is find an area where other people are doing what you are trying to do and they're doing it successfully. So you found someone in Wichita closing deals successfully. So you thought, Meh, well, if he could do it, I could do it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And at that point, I was... I was pretty scared of competition. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I wanted to avoid that, uh, which it's not a bad thing, but to get some competition in your market. But uh, I wanted to avoid that at all costs because I just wanted to get a deal done as soon as possible. Even Mm. if it was like two or three grand, I just wanted to know that it was at least possible Mm. because at this point, I was kind of starting to doubt myself. And I was thinking like, man, I don't know. I I might, if I don't get a deal in the next couple of months, I might just try something else because this is just wearing me out. So Yeah, I saw that he did a deal and I was like, "All right, I haven't heard of anyone else doing deals in this area besides this guy. So I thought, you know, if he has a buyer's list over there, if I can just lock something up for dirt cheap, then I'm just going to see if he can dispo it and at least get a deal done.
0: Right. That's definitely really cool. So then you did one deal and then like what happened
1: next? So I did my first deal with my JV partner, that was like a home run deal. I got super lucky on that one. Um, I almost actually threw that lead away. Uh, if it weren't for my JV partner telling me to keep following up with them, it, I would not have gotten that deal. Uh, they originally were asking eighty thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the house, and then we ended up getting it for forty and dispoing it for sixty nine. So we wow. got that deal. Yeah, we closed on it, and then then I just started. I made my marketing budget and. I just started doubling the amount of text I was sending out and uh, the amount of offers I was making and uh, started building some momentum.
0: That is a whole run deal for your first one, for sure. That's crazy. So the seller, your first deal, a seller comes in, you almost threw it away, but it wasn't for having a mentor or a partner, JV partner telling you to keep going, keep following Mm -hmm. up. They started out at 80. And I always say that, that like a seller's never going to offer you a discount on their house. Like that's pretty rare. They're always going to mm-hmm. come in high. And it's really in the follow up that you get them down on their price. And you did that. You got them down. You got them 50% off. Yeah. And you locked mm-hmm. it up. And you, the JV partner handled the dispo and you're done. And now you've got this fat fee that now you can put into your business for, you know, for more marketing and to double down. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm super thankful for my JV partner. Because yeah, if it weren't for him, I don't even think I would have gotten that deal. I mean, they were asking 80. We couldn't have even sold it for that much. But if it weren't for him just telling me like, no, keep talking to him, uh, keep following up, then that wouldn't have happened.
0: That is the other advice I give is like a JV partner. Mm-hmm. A good JV partner is the difference between you doing deals and not doing any deals. Yeah. So I mean it sounds like that was a, a big pivotal moment for you, not only just making the pivot to a different area, but having, you know, that partner to keep you going.
1: Yeah. And that's super important. I would, I mean, even if you are doing it in your local market, I would still say get a JV partner. Oh, absolutely. So my first deal had closed late December. And then I'd done a couple more, but they were way smaller. Um, and I just wanted more consistency. I wanted to, um, learn the ins and outs of virtual because I didn't really have a virtual coach. I was just learning on my own because my JV partner, that's his market. So he doesn't really do any, he didn't do any virtual stuff at the time. So I was listening to little sailing Inc. and then they had mentioned you were going to, uh, join the program and start a virtual, uh, virtual coaching program. So I literally, as soon as I got done listening to that podcast, I scheduled a call.
0: That's Awesome. Yeah. You were one of my first students. So yeah, that's, that's really cool. So I mean, yeah, I had no idea how young you were, but I definitely knew, you know, I, I think I said it from the beginning, like Riley, you remind me of me. You just, there's (laughs) something about, you know, when I got started, like I just, a lot of the questions you asked, you asked really good questions. Um, you work really hard. You're very consistent and that's what I like about mm-hmm. you is you're in you yeah. do, you know you actually do the work you know you make offers, you talk to sellers, you really do the work, so yeah. I like I love it the and worst, the
1: the worst place to be is is analysis paralysis. I hate being in that state of mind so much that right. I have to just do something, even if it's not really the right thing to do at the time. I may not know what the right step is, but anything mm-hmm. is better than just being in that state of mind of not knowing what to do and being stuck.
0: I can't agree with you more. And maybe like you're lucky that you're so young that you don't know any better. So you probably <laughs> yeah. don't get an analysis paralysis as much as maybe somebody in their forties, you yeah. know, who's had a little bit, you know, sometimes life experience. It's great in some ways, but then it also makes people afraid. And then, you know, the more you know, the more you know, and you get stuck mm. and you overanalyze what you're doing. And I maybe that is part of it is like that you you know you don't really overanalyze and you just do and that's really cool.
1: I definitely have. Uh, <laughs> it hasn't been the, the best thing at times. I've I've locked a couple of contracts up way too high and uh, sellers have gotten super pissed off at me. And uh, luckily I haven't been sued, but but yeah, there's <laughs> I guess there's a downside to it.
0: Right. Yeah. And you know what? That I think that that's very common. I mean, what you're telling me is something that does happen. It's very common. And I think it kind of mm-hmm. happens to everybody when they're figuring yeah. out the market. So what would you say? Do you, I mean, do you have any practical advice as far as like maybe something that you got from your journey or just anything that you can share...
1: Uh, yeah. Well, one thing that I got from your program, this is something that I wasn't doing before, was continuing to plant seeds, no matter how many contracts you have or how many deals you think you have. Literally, like, even if you lock up a deal that you think you're going to make fifty thousand on in the next two weeks, the next day, do exactly what you did to get that deal, and keep doing that every day. Because if you just focus on that deal and you rely uh, solely on that deal closing. By the time it closes, you're going to have a completely dry pipeline, and you're going to have to rebuild. And that was one thing that really uh, hindered my growth in the beginning was the fact that I would get something under contract, and I'd be like, "Okay, sweet, I got something under contract." And this, and this is my JV partner. Um, you know, see if he needs me for anything, and then I'll probably just you know do some follow ups here and there. And then th- that property uh, it would close. I'd get my assignment check. And then I would have to completely rebuild my pipeline all over again. And I wouldn't get a deal for another 30, 45 days. But yeah, once I joined your program, I started asking these questions and um, you helped me with these things that I'm, I was really struggling with because I just wasn't growing. I wasn't having any consistency in my business. And then, yeah, so that that really stuck with me. Every time I lock something up the next day, I just make sure I do exactly what I did to lock that contract up.
0: Absolutely. And honestly, I mean, I know that because I did, I made those mistakes when I started. A lot of people do. What I noticed is like you just needed some refining and some rules when it came to like your processes and your lead generation. So you needed to consistently put out marketing. So you were consistently generating leads every single day, doesn't matter how many contracts you locked up, that you are consistent with your lead generation because today's leads are three months from today's deal. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and,
0: and People don't realize that. So if you stop today for a month, in three months, you're going to have a dry month. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people that around Christmas and the holidays. If you stop during the holidays with your legion, and I know, I mean, a lot of us do, I will stop like on Christmas, you know, the week of, Mm -hmm. because it's like a little rude to call people like on Christmas. Like, but like, be careful. If anything, I want to double down the first two weeks of December. So I've got like more leads coming in. So that can allow me to kind of take that break for a week. But because I know that I do not want to have a dry, you know, February March, and a lot of people do that. They'll take December off completely. They'll take from November to December off, and then they'll wonder why quarter one is terrible for them.
2: Yeah, so.
1: exactly. I would, uh, I would, you know, get a deal closed at the beginning of one month, and then the next month I'd be like, all right, I'm just going to go extra hard this month. I'm going to send out twice as many texts, talk to twice as many people, to make up for that. Uh, And then at the end of the month, it's like I made the same amount as last month or even less. And it's like, well, how does how does that work? It's it's because you went a whole month, 30 days without really doing any Legion.
0: Right. And if you do it where you like double down, like I I take the double down approach only in the holidays. Like that's kind of a special time. Like if you were consistently doing that, like so say you were doing that four times a year you know, where, Oh, I got a contract so I can kind of chill out and work on this contract. I hear that all the time when students, right. Like I got
1: a yeah, exactly. I'm
0: just busy working on this escrow. What are you working on? There's nothing to work on. Like yeah. give it to an escrow officer and get back to your lead generation. Like, what are you doing working on this deal, putting this deal together? I hear that all the time. I'm like, you guys got to stop working on your deal. Work on getting more deals. But if you're doing that like four times a year, I mean, that's exactly why a lot of people have this like lopsided snowball effect, like where you think you're getting a snowball effect and then it becomes lopsided and falls on its side and you can't get the snowball back over again. I mean, I know it because I did it. I was the same. Yeah, I got started and I had the same things. And I, you know, I know all the things that new investors do because I did them myself.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing with having a JV partner is the point of having a JV partner so that you can focus solely on Legion and locking up contracts. Because once you get a contract, there's really not much that you have to do from that point. I mean, send the title company, the contract, get escrow started, send them all the seller and buyer contact info, and then you just need to start Legion again.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's like, that's literally, you just said it in literally 15 seconds, what all you have to do. So then mm-hmm. there's people though that they'll be like, oh, I've been putting this deal together like for two weeks. They don't do anything. They don't make a single offer on a house. They don't do anything, because they're literally just staring at their emails <laughs> like mm-hmm. about a deal and calling the escrow company every day and like, you know, making sure that they're gonna get that check. It's you know, and really they're doing themselves a big disservice because also, and I mean, there's something to say too. When you have all your eggs in one basket, you are like, depending on that check closing. Instead, mentally, you need to think about, oh no, I've got plenty of other deals in the pipeline. Like if this one doesn't close, it's not that big of a deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I found myself relying on one deal for the entire month. Right. And I definitely learned my lesson with that because for an entire month, I've been relying on this one deal to close because this is going to help me with my marketing budget and do more deals, generate more leads. And so I was just relying on that. I wasn't doing anything else. And then the closing day came and uh, the lady walked out of closing. She just... She said, no, I'm not doing this. I want you to pay for my back taxes. And then she walked out. Oh gosh. So, So we had to figure that out. We ended up getting it done. I just... I made a little bit less because we had to pay for (laughs) her back taxes. She was pretty stubborn, but uh, but that was definitely a learning experience. And that showed me you can't stop Legion. You can't stop planting those seeds because rarely will you come across that low hanging fruit where you text them in the same day you get a contract. Never happens. Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) for sure. What was your biggest fear? You are newer, but you're pretty, you know, you've got some experience. So take me back, you know, to when you were first closing deals. What was your biggest fear?
1: I mean, my biggest fear was not getting one at all. <laughs>
0: okay, just so, not getting a deal.
1: Yeah, that was my biggest fear. And then um, I think just losing money probably. I was I was really afraid of losing money on a deal, and then having a seller like get super pissed at me, and then hire a lawyer or something to try to come after me. I was pretty scared of that too. So. I would hesitate on certain deals. Like, if I didn't know it was a deal, if I thought maybe it could be, I just wouldn't lock it up because I'm like, I don't want this person to get mad at me.
0: I, yes. So, I mean, you just threw out a lot of fears, and these are all, I always like asking the fear question because, like, these are things that we all go through. And I had all those same exact fears. So, you know, I would say the first one, and I I bring that up with KPIs, I always say, if you're closing, if your kpi how many contracts to how many deals you are closing is one out of one so for every one contract you've gotten in the last year you've closed every single one of those contracts that tells me you are not locking up enough contracts that and you think that sounds good like oh yeah i close 100% of all the contracts that i lock up it's like but no 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 that actually isn't good because that means you're being too conservative so what you're just saying is your fear is you know Unfortunately, though, you need to get past that fear to be more successful Mm -hmm. because you do need to actually take some risks on houses that you're not 100% sure about. But, you know, and I'm not giving legal advice, I'm not an attorney, and I'm not even pretending to be one. But if you can get your attorney to look at your purchase agreement and you make sure that your purchase agreement, you know, protects you and gives you that inspection contingency and that inspection time and due diligence time that you need in that contract. You you know, should be protected in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Will the seller get upset? Sometimes, but and I'll give what I do in my company. We over communicate in our company. I tell the seller everything from the get go, from the first conversation. I let them know we are investors. We're house flippers. We're going to buy the house to, to fix it up and resell it. Sometimes we assign our contracts to high volume landlord buyers. I give them a spiel if you guys want my contract, I actually have a script on my, for free, I give away. So if anybody's listening to this, if you go to www.thismomflips.com and you opt in, you will get my free seller qualifying script. Well, you will see, and Riley, you probably saw that script in the course. Um, oh yeah, because- I use it every time. Yeah, you use it, right? So you see, I over communicate. Okay, I tell yeah. them everything. I'm not being secretive about who I am and what I do. The first thing I want to do when I talk to a them is at least tell them, who i am and what i do within like the first minute of the call. And right there now the seller knows like okay this person Riley has to make money on my home. So if it comes to inspection time and the house, you know, is in disrepair and i didn't describe the house accurately like Riley might come back. I let them know in the probably like the second third call when i'm you know delivering the offer. And then, when we're locking up the contract, like I do let them know, like, and we need to inspect. And as long as the house is in, you know, the same shape you described it to be, you know, we should be good. But just that you know, Mr. Seller, that, you know, we do need to inspect the property. We haven't seen the home, but based on the comps in the area, for similar homes like yours that have sold to other investors, we need to be at this price. Mm-hmm. and that lets the seller know like that preps them that hey there is a chance that when they actually see the property in person that we might not be at that price anymore because of the property has you know needs a new roof and the seller didn't tell us about the roof so usually like i've noticed with my script that i gave you know you that in the course it has reduced our getting yelled at by probably 80% there's still like twenty percent that's gonna get just get mad because they couldn't pull one over you.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm working on one like that right now where I had locked the contract up at a certain price, and then my JV partner did the inspection, and there's a ton of termite damage. So now I have to go back and give them the um, ask for a price reduction. But if they even if they do get upset, you're really not in the wrong because you had prepped them for that in the beginning that that could be a possibility. It's fifty fifty.
0: Exactly. And remember that it's like, you are not in the wrong, like, because they didn't tell you about the termite damage. Like, how are you supposed to know? They know that you locked it up over the phone. You know, Mm -hmm. like you, you tell Mr. Seller, listen, like I'm on the phone right now and I'm giving you pricing right now. And if we can agree on this price, like we are on the same page, but I do still need to inspect it. A lot of sellers will say, well, why don't you come down and inspect it first? And that's when you tell them, Mr. Seller, we are working on so many houses. We have so many sellers that call us every single day that we can only work on the most serious sellers, the ones that are ready to execute now. And what we found through years of experience is when we inspect the house first, the seller often pulls out isn't that serious, has often used us as like giving them a free appraisal on their home. Mm -hmm. And they've kind of used us. I mean, that happens several times a week where we would go and we'd inspect a home and then the seller would last minute say, ah, just kidding. I don't want to sell. Or I went around and I, I took your pricing to 10 other investors and I got a better price. And now I'm going with them. Well, then why did you waste my time coming down? you know? So I just explain it through storytelling to the seller, like that this is why our process is the way it is. We need to lock this price up over the phone. So we are both committing that we are serious about the sale. Now I will get in my car, I will drive and I will go look at the property, but I'm not getting in my car. I'm not getting out of my desk until I have it and writing that you're serious about selling your house.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and that's going to happen a lot. Some sellers are just going to use you as like a free offer generator, Absolutely. and they're gonna they're gonna get your offer, and they're gonna write it down, and they're gonna go to every other investor that they've talked to. They're gonna say, "Hey, I got this offer. Like, how much can you come up?" And then they're gonna sign a contract, and you're never gonna hear from them again. Yeah. So it, that happens all the time. Where I think I have a really great deal, they seem pretty motivated, and then I try to contact them multiple times. They. Ah, uh, block my number, and then I'll check the county. Like a month later, and uh, some random LLC owns it. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about that.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, that's why I also like say, as far as like my sales philosophy and negotiation philosophy is, just get the seller to like you on the first call, mm-hmm. and like your goal is to get the seller to always like you, because if they like you enough, like they will feel bad that they never like that they blocked your number or that the they didn't give you at least the option to come up on your price. Yeah. They will feel yeah. bad. You know, so if they like you, they'll answer the call and be like, "Okay, listen, I did talk to another investor and he offered me 5,000 more." You know, at least that gives you the opportunity to see if you can come up $5,000, you know, and just if you stay up on them enough, you know, if you yeah. know that they need to sell, they should stay in a category in your CRM. You know, because you know they need to sell and just stay on them and they will communicate because you already made friends, you got them to like you. Like Mm -hmm. they will communicate with you kind of what they're doing. You can get it out of them. And then that's when you can slip in. Well, oh, so you talk to another investor. Well, what they say, Mm -hmm. you know, you want them to feel bad because they like you so much. And then every time you follow up, they have to come up with some lie of why they haven't signed your contract already that's when they'll probably reveal that they talked to another investor. And that's when you say, well, where's the investor at? What price are they at? I always ask. If they say they've talked to anybody else, I always ask, what price did they give you?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and one thing that's also helped me a lot uh, when we were on a, a, another Zoom call, I think a few weeks back, and you were talking about a deal and you said it was never yours in the first place. Right. Uh, and that's helped a lot because I would find myself so fixated on certain leads that I think are going to be really great deals. And then it ends up falling through and I get really mad. I get upset and I don't really want to do anything the next day. But it's like it's true. That property, that deal was never yours in the first place. It's, it's not yours until the check comes to your door.
0: Absolutely. and I do love saying that because it's something I used to do. I used to do the same thing. I would get so hung up on like a deal, and I would all I could think about was you know this deal, and then if it wouldn't close or if I lost the seller or whatever, I would be devastated. like I mean, there were times I legitimately cried, like losing a deal. and you know, because at the time this is like I was flipping houses in California, so I was like, this, that was forty thousand dollars like I could and then it was like, Lauren, it was never yours. It was never yours. Like, it was never yours in the first place. And if you were generating more leads and focusing on your lead generation, you would have had like five other possible $40,000 paydays. So, you know, you wouldn't have been so hung up on that one. So, I mean, it is a little, it is kind of like Buddhist philosophy of like, like letting go of your attachment, but like let go of that attachment to that particularly motivated seller. I always laugh when it just makes me chuckle. It's like, oh, that's cute. Um, When the newer investor gets really hung up about one seller lead that they got, like, I got a great lead today. She inherited the house from her mother and the house is vacant. And I'm going to sit for three hours and figure out the perfect offer price. It's and I'm even going to, you know what? I'm going to jump in my car. I'm going to drive by the house. I haven't even talked to her really yet. I haven't even talked price yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my car. I'm going to drive and I'm going to take photos and walk the property. And then I'm going to think some more about my offer price. And then I'm going to call her and I'm going to present my offer to her. And like, Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many people, right? Like you've heard this story. Exactly what I did. Yeah, right. Everybody does. This is like a newbie, classic newbie move over like Mm -hmm. one lead. And you haven't even determined if that lead likes you. You haven't determined when that lead wants to sell, why they want to sell, who are the other decision makers in it. If they're talking to a realtor. What kind of situation is selling to an investor even that leads like best option? You know, you kind of want to make sure that like, this is a good idea for them as well. So I hear that so many times, like, you know, and I'm like, whoa, you are way too attached to that lead already. Like I can already tell you that's not your deal yet. So instead, put them through my qualification, you know, my acquisition phases, you know, process... Do the qualifying script, get them to like you, get to know who they are, why they're selling and when they need to sell. you know, get them to like you, to know you to trust you, deliver an offer don't even dare get in your car and look at the home like we're hello it's twenty twenty get like uh, get on prop stream. You know, get on Google Earth and look at it there. You don't need to get in the car. You don't, you're you not making a presentation. Stop with these, like, I'm going to present and offer stuff. Like, you're not presenting <laughs> anything. Like, you're not in front of a board of executives. Like, just, <laughs> just, like, come up with something that kind of works, like you think, by maybe finding some cash sales in the area, minusing, you know, your wholesale fee make the seller the offer and see if you're even on the same page.
1: You yeah. Know? Just give them a range to start off with yeah. just so you can see where they're at. Because if you do that, then you're going to be able to pump out way more offers. I, I remember I was doing like three offers a week because right. I was just doing that. I would get this lead, I would cold call, I'd talk to someone. I'm like, this is like, whoa, this could be my first deal. And I start, I spent yeah. two hours researching the property yeah. and like the mortgage mm-hmm. info and like, who are the past owners? When did they buy it? And like yeah. looking at all the comps, and it's like okay, I can really? do, I can totally. do fifteen or fifty-two thousand five hundred dollars for this property, and then I call them and present my offer, and they're like, oh no, we want seventy-eight. It's like,
0: oh. I know, right? You like you borderline just stalked the seller, like in everything about them, like you're a background <laughs> yeah. investigator, just to come up with. 58500. Like it's like yeah. <laughs> you could have easily like gone on like you know talk about um, let's go offer.com. Uh mm. you could easily have signed up for let's go offer.com. Come up with an offer range, give the seller that range, see if the seller is at all mentally in the same place as you, then kind of go back refine your number a little bit, okay? That was fine. Go back and and maybe Hem and Haw about your exact number you want to give it. Call them back, give them the fifty-eight five hundred. At least you know the seller was on the same page as you, you know. And and you have a range that you know where you can come up from. Lock it up. I mean, you could you could do all of that in twenty minutes.
1: Like, yeah. And that. I was giving my my Mao for the first initial offer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I know we all. I mean, we all make mistakes in the beginning. Like that's why you came to me to kind of like okay, like let yeah. me give you the rules. Just play by my rules. Promise me, go play by my rules. Then as long as you play by my rules, you close 10 deals and you can do whatever you want. Make up your own rules. That's fine. Well, Riley, I love that you were, you're doing very well. I love getting to know you. I think it's now even more exciting that I know how young you are. <laughs> um, so how can people, if anybody wants to you know, reach out, are you on any of the socials?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say either just Instagram or Facebook. I'm on those a lot. My Instagram is just my first and last name, Riley McGarity. And then, yeah, you can reach out to me there, message me on Facebook, ask me anything. I mean, I'm not really the most qualified to be giving um, advice, but I'll answer whatever questions I can.
0: Awesome, awesome. And in this show, I mentioned a few things. Um, I talked about my coaching program. If you guys wanna learn more about that, uh, go to www.virtualinvestingmastery.com. And uh, we talked a little bit about Let's Go Offer. If you guys are interested and you want $10 off, per month, go to www.letsgooffer.com. And if you type in the code TMF, that'll get you $10 off per month. All right, Riley, thank you so much. I wish you so much more success. And I absolutely love having you a part of my coaching program. So I can't wait to see you close more deals. And man, by the time you're 25, you're going to be like doing some big things. So
2: (laughs)
1: yeah, thanks so much. It's been awesome, Lauren. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Bye.
2: Bye.